This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Unlike Aaron, I like to give Semper Fidelis its full glory. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Green and White podcast brought to you by Argyle Life. Following on from a brilliant afternoon at Home Park seven days previous, Ian Foster got his second taste of life as an FA Cup head coach as the Pilgrims travelled to West Yorkshire to take on 1972 Cup winners Leeds United. With new signings, Alfie Devine and Adam Forshaw both cup-tied, along with Darko JB being unavailable for, let's be fair, pretty obvious reasons, Bozzy had to draft in some fresh recruits for this cup outing. Out went the aforementioned trio, along with Dan Scar, and in came the returning talismanic Lewis Gibson in the centre of defence, along with Adam Randall, Callum Wright and making his first start in a competition other than the thin crust pepperoni plate thing that we don't talk about, 18-year-old Caleb Roberts. Following a bright start, Argo were pegged back by a moment of unbelievable quality from Jaden Anthony in the 31st minute. However, Fozzie's men stuck to their task and in the 73rd minute, following a real build-up of momentum and confidence, Adam Randall slotted home the equaliser, which means we get to do it all again at home park in just over a week's time under the light. As you may have noticed already, let's be fair, we're hardly twins, but I'm not Aaron. I'm Joe, and unfortunately, you've got me for at least the next two weekend editions of the pod. Joining me this week to talk through our cup draw at Helland Road, we have the hot tub-loving Ben. Ben, have you dried off from your exploits underwater? Viva la hot tub. Yes, I have. That was a um, an ill-judged tweet, if ever there was one. But deleting is cheating. So I, once it had got once it had got replies, I didn't feel I could uh, back out of that. It it certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, the Roxy's loving Sam down. I'm looking forward to your full report on Roxy's when we get onto the yes ramble. To, pa- to paraphrase um, uh, the, that Christmas song, I wish it could be leaves away every week. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cracking away day. I'm sure it is. And last oh. but not least, the gin loving, if not carrying some technical gremlins this evening, Finn Allen. Finn, good evening, even if we can't see you. 
Hello, how are you? Good, mate. Good. Um, that's a nice, nice welcome. I'm glad you didn't ramble too much. You know, don't contribute too much to tonight's episode. You're giving me some work to do. So, on to the game, then. Let's get straight into it. And why don't you kick us off on the one-all draw at Ellen Road? Yeah, it was um it was really it was really good. Um the first half not so much from our perspective. Um and any game where your goalkeeper wins player of the match, I think you have to be happy to take a point. Um are we are we taking uh, a point from this? Uh, every every little helps. Yes, what that would be the most spectacular point in the history of football, would it not? I think I made that joke when um someone had put that on Twitter. Oh, there we go. Um to take a draw to um i was using the cliche rather than the uh the technical so yeah to, to be able to, to be able to get a draw oh we've lost finn again oh he's back to get the draw was was a good result but i think the second half um was a really positive performance um and we still need a hazard in the second half too um but just the 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 quality of play um at times was was breathtaking um, and the fans, you know, the the famous Ellen Road atmosphere wasn't. Um, I know there's a lot of you know cup trippers in in the stands, but um, you know we really shut the crowd up in the in the second half, um, and and the Green and White Army got got a lot more vocal in the second half, and I think that was a, a fair reflection of how the game went. Um, their goal was the finish was brilliant. I think there was a bit of confusion in the in the two uh, in the defending between. Whitaker and Mumba. Mumba sort of left Whitaker to sort of lunge in, and then the Anthony was able to skip between the two, and then the finish. There's not much you can do about that. It, it did look a bit of after you, Claude, didn't it? Between the two of them, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I won't. I didn't want to go too much into the goal itself, but it's it's one of those where there's just a bit of miscommunication, and, and then the finish was pretty much unstoppable. I mean, it was it was right in the. In the corner, I didn't actually see the um, the build up to the goal live because I was chanting about Chinos to the uh, the Leeds end. And when I looked back, the ball was sort of in flight and and then passed Hazard, which was which brought the mood down instantly. Um, but other than that, um, you know that we defended quite quite well. I I, I thought um, we made Leeds work for their openings most of the time. Um, and when you think that we've got JB on loan, who's not even considered worth sort of keeping around the place, you know, he's cluttering up the Leeds dressing room uh, and he's one of our best players. The fact that it was even, um, you know, against the, it wasn't even the second string side, was it? There was a lot of good, good players and their starters. And when you sort of think that, um, you know, they've got an international Italian winger um, who's, who's surplus to, to first team starting duties in Nonto, um, you know, the embarrassment of riches they have is, is quite stark quite clear and I think the fact that Argo were able to put in such a impressive performance and as a lot of Leeds fans have acknowledged you know that a lot of them said you know we could have put it away early but um you know fair play to Plymouth they aren't the they aren't the replay fair and square um most importantly I think to take from the game what regardless of what the result was and as fun as it will be to bring them back down to to Plymouth make a little bit more money from the cup and hopefully um you know set up maybe a, a good tie in the in the next round against Premier League opposition was the um, the improvement in the second half and the continued improvement in the team defensively and in organisation, um, that was was really good to see. Um, and, you know, even if we'd have lost the game um, and Connor has a, you know, pulled off some incredible two saves towards the end of the match, particularly as well as the one from Nonzo in the, that he tipped onto the bar in the first half, just really top-notch saves. Um, if it hadn't been for that when we would have lost, but we'd have still been able to take a lot of heart, I think, from the, the improvement in the organisation and the, um, 
the, the beginning to see the communication and understanding uh, develop as well in the team. Um, so yeah, uh, overall it was a, it was a good away day, uh, good time. Um, certainly happy with the result given the way the first half went and um, and, and the heroics from the goalkeeper. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear to see that I chose the wrong trip to Ellen Road this season to go to in terms of it being a, a worthwhile outcome. Um, Finn, we'll come on to you in a second, but Sam, um, you were the other half of the quartet that we have here in attendance this evening who was actually at Ellen Road yesterday. Fingers crossed you actually remember plenty of the game, otherwise this could be a very boring monologue. Um, Daniel Farker and Ian Foster sort of referred to it as a bit of tale of two halves, really. Farker sort of suggested that Leeds could have and probably should have been out of sight by the time that Argo got going, really, in the second half. Um, Ian Foster was much happier with the second half than the first, sort of hinted that we maybe gave Leeds a bit too much respect. Is that the sort of thought process that you have coming out of the game? Uh, yeah, I, I am. I, I am thinking very much on the similar lines to, to both managers. Now, I, I remember it pretty well. Don't worry. I was uh, very much drinking in, in, in moderation uh, yesterday. You know, and we won't talk about Harlow Leicester, but yesterday was very much a day for moderation drinking. Uh, thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that is a fair summary. I think in the first half we did um, show them too much respect. I'm not going to um, mention any more Spanish cycling terms, but I, I do think we showed signs in the first half as we did in the league game of just being a bit too overawed, letting them push us back a bit too easily, showing them, as, as Foster said, a, a bit too much respect. I think we showed signs of that, but unlike in the league game, our last stitch defending was pretty good. Um, in the league game, we, we conceded two goals due to two gifts that we gave them really on a plate. Um, whereas for the goal... Yesterday, whilst we could have been better in the defending, like as you two both allude to, Mumba and Whitaker sort of left it to each other. But, you know, that's a, quite a minor mistake. You can't really expect that to lead to a goal from where on the pitch it is. And Jaden Anthony um, it finds, the, finds the top corner with an absolute sublime strike, um, which, you know, nine times out of ten you don't score from, probably. So, yeah, I think it, you know, credit to him for that. But overall, we did... We did um, show signs of being a bit too nervy, giving them a bit too much respect first half. But at the same time, it wasn't exactly disastrous. Our defending was a bit tighter. Second half, we played really well. I'm maybe not going to be quite as effusive about the second half as some people are. I think some people are saying the second half is the best we've played all season. And I think that's pushing it. We were good, but I wouldn't say we were amazing. We, we were good. I could even except very good, but not the best to play all season. Um, but yeah, we, 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 were, we were good second half. We were knocking on the door. The subs really changed the game in our favour, um, which I'm sure Joe will ask about, so I'm not going to um, elaborate on that point just yet. But um, yeah, Butcher, Bundu combined to set up Randall for the goal, just to quickly talk about the goal. Um, I think two players, who obviously Bundu, Butcher's getting credit for his great pass, Bundu's getting credit for his cross. Two players who aren't getting as much credit as I feel they should for their part in that goal are Morgan Whitaker and Ryan Hardy because they both make those runs inside. They both pull the defenders away. And if they don't do that, Adam Randall doesn't have all the space in Yorkshire to slot into and find it out. It was a classic third man run. The, the, the attackers and, 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 and the striker are pulling the defenders out of position and, and credit to them really for that. And by virtue of them doing so, Randall has, yeah, like I said, all, all the time and space in the world 
to slot home. He uh, put himself on his backside as he did so, um, but uh, found the net. So, yeah, I'm very happy. And I think at the end, yes, they did have uh, one or two good saves, on, one or two good chances in the second half. Had to make quite a good save um, near the end, which... Um, who, who was it? Was it was it Ruter? I, I can't remember. Should, should have done better with probably. Um, who was it? Bamford, I think. Was it? Yes, it was Bamford. You're right. No, I don't. I forget that. Yeah, you're right. It was Bamford. Um, yeah, which Bamford should have done better with. Um, and then, but then the very last chance of the game fell to us with um, obviously that Whitaker going down the right um, in a lot of space, crossing the ball in for Hardy and. Um, I, I think, look, the defender's covering him well. You can't really ask for more for your defender to do than, than he did. But when that first fell to Hardy, I just thought he was going to um, whack that one into the bottom corner and, and send the away end into absolute raptures. Sadly, it wasn't to be on the 15th time of asking. We still don't have the all-elusive away win, um, but we are getting closer to it. And I think that's beyond doubt with the last four away games being a draw at Cardiff that we should have won. A loss at Southampton, which let's have it right, we were we were the weaker team with the two, but if not for that refereeing decision, could have got one nil up. Followed by a solid draw at Huddersfield, followed by a very solid draw yesterday. So positive signs, positive indications, and um, yeah, lots of good stuff to take from it. Yeah, it's a fair summary, and um, you know, let's not let's not get away from the fact that yet again it was another Patrick Bamford big chance that he's missed, but that is the tale of his career unfortunately, but we don't have long enough for me to go into my thoughts on Patrick Bamford tonight. Um, Ben, let's bring you in. Obviously, both me and you were um, unfortunate on this occasion not to be at this particular away game. Um, So we've had to see the game um, in different ways to the two lads that have already talked. Why don't you talk us through the first goal? Because, um, you know, you can't get away from the fact it is a a brilliant finish from Jaden Anthony. Um, the way from picking the ball up on the touchline, gliding past players like they weren't there, which to be fair to Anthony, I thought he did pretty well all day um, and caused us a load of problems. Um, I suppose it's a bit of an issue to show just how strong and depth leads have that Jaden Anthony can't seem to get anywhere near their starting lineup, and yet he's got quality that he showed there. Um, do we attribute more, you know, is how much percentage is it brilliant quality from Anthony and disappointing marking slash defending from Argyle, or do we just give all the credit to Anthony in this situation? Um, well, first of all, obviously, I'd, I'd never like to see us concede a goal at any point, but um, I I know I've seen on social media this week uh, that he's had a pretty, uh, Jane Anthony, he's had a pretty tough uh, month or so with his, with his mum passing away and stuff, so if you can look at it like that, it's a nice moment for him and a, and a fantastic goal, um, and you know the the crowd seemed to um, seem to appreciate that um, in his um, celebration. Um, but the sort of uh, the semantics around the goal, um, I think, yeah, I think Whitaker, um, you know, uh, he comes in for a lot of praise, and rightly so, uh, for you know, from our fan base and stuff, and. But in that situation, uh, especially wearing the captain's armband, I'd, I'd hope that he'd um, not necessarily more of an effort, but certainly go into the challenge with a bit more vigour. He kind of he kind of seemed to pull out a bit, and um, and yeah, it was kind of poor defending. You could argue that some that either one of maybe Randall or Roberts in the kind of first phase could have 
got closer to him to, to put him off doing that. Um, but I, again, you can't take away from the individual quality of the of the goal. Uh, but yes, I mean, you know, any goal you concede uh, where it's just a man basically dribbling for your defence, um, there is always uh, multiple questions to be asked in terms of could this player have done this before this happened or could that player have, have you know, put more of a challenge in. Um, so, yes, it is poor. However, you know, I think it's just just one of those things. It's, it's a very good goal. And yes, we could have stopped it. Whitaker could have done better. But at the same time, you know, it's an individual piece of brilliance, basically. And you you got to hold your hands up to that sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's probably fair. And I don't think we can sit here and say it wasn't coming because Leeds, you know, after a bright first sort of five, ten minutes from Argo, will be started like an express train. Um, Leeds really grew into the game and, and got over any nerves they had. So let's go to the um, full-time thoughts that we were sent in on social media. We'll start with uh, Aaron always gives me the, the tricky sounding um, Twitter handles. Uh, Zykaness, Zykaness, whatever it is. Um, apologies if I butchered that. Uh, much better in the second half. Bundu, excellent. And even Butcher made an impact. Didn't expect that. Uh, Hazard, man of the match, though, kept us in it. Uh, at Mrs. Foxtrot Whisk, Strictly Plymouth says, Miller, outstanding, I think. Second half, Bundu and Butch changed the game. If we can learn not to give teams respect but play our game, we wouldn't waste first half. So I think we'll come on to that in a second. Uh, CW says, thought Butcher may have been on his way out, but he and Bundu changed the game today. Butcher won a few balls early on that we were just not getting before, and Bundu really stepped up the intensity. Surely must start ahead of right now. Uh, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. Uh, Jamie Beal on Facebook says, first half, we caused our own issues. Second half, so much better. They did hit the post three times, though, and Hardy almost pinched it at the end. So proud. Leeds fans walking out did not look happy. Oh, it's a shame. Plymouth's lovely on a Tuesday night in February. Uh, Gaz Brownhigh says, take a smash and grab, draw away. Bettered second half after an awful first half. Not sure I'd necessarily agree that it was a smash and grab. Um, but hey-ho, we'll take them, take them as it comes. Uh, Dean Lavis on Twitter says, or X, Ian Foster's unbeaten greens go marching on together. Let's talk about the goal then, because there's, there's a lot of praise, and I think rightfully so, coming for uh, Matt Butcher and Mustafa Bundu, who since um, Ian Foster's come in have perhaps been a little bit short of chances, in particular the Moose, um, who was finally freed on Saturday afternoon to great effect. Ben, Sam, I see you've both taken yourself off mute. I mean, this is a free-for-all, really. From the moment that Matt well, Butcher it... picked the ball up in midfield to spraying that unbelievable crossfield ball to Pundu to then have the presence of mind to deliver that ball to Randall, take it away. Well, I would just like to start by saying that on a weekend of unlikely sporting heroes that Ollie Pope and Tom Hartley carried England to a fantastic win in the cricket, um, it's only in keeping with that theme that our two heroes yesterday were Matt Butcher and Mustafa Bundu. Um, yeah, I, I had to get to mention him for one of the best test matches of all time that concluded this morning. Um, but yeah, fantastic uh, by Butcher. Uh, really, like a really good bit of play between him and him and Bundu um, for the goal. Uh, it, it's up there. And look, I'm not going to say it was his best performance for us because it is always easier to have a really great 20 minutes coming on as a sub than it is to have a great full 90. So I am conscious of that, but it is up there with the best butchers ever played for us, uh, for sure. Not only the move leading up to the goal, he was just totally dominant. 
um, completely controlled everything, covered a lot of ground, um, good on the ball, tenacious, battling off the ball. That you can clearly see some of the uh, stuff Foster is trying to implement about out of possession work, um, which he is allegedly a specialist in. I think we're seeing evidence of him being a specialist in um, so far. Um, yeah, was was really evident in Butcher how how much ground he covered. And don't get me wrong, he's always been a hard worker, but um, you know, there's being a hard worker in the sense of doing everything to the best of your ability, and then there's the sheer intensity of the pressing that he did yesterday, which I think is more of a tactical development. And yeah, he he, he did that very well indeed. Um, and yeah, Bundu, again, aside from his involvement in the goal, really stretched the play, run down the wing countless times, um, you know, got, got them to retreat a little bit. And just even if he didn't necessarily complete a pass, or even if he didn't necessarily get across into the box, advanced us in terms of territory, pegged them into their own half. I think one a throw in, I think as well, uh, or two. Um, so yeah, very, very good from both of them. And as I said at the start, uh, with my tongue-in-cheek reference to the cricket, two very unlikely heroes, but um, they changed the game in our favour. Bundu was much better than Wright, uh, who we might discuss in a bit more later. And um, with, with all due respect to Caleb Roberts, he battled really hard making his first you know, start in a um, proper competition, shall we say, apart from the JP. Did he not start in the Grimsby game, by the way, Joe? No, apparently no. he came off the bench. I he must have came on. Yeah, he, he came on. He came on, yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember thinking he looked, he looked bright that day at Grimsby, but yeah, that must have been as a sub, fair enough. Um, Did he start against Dorian? No. No? Don't think so. Oh, he might have done, actually. I know exactly what he did against... Um... He, yeah, he, he definitely at least came on, because oh, I yeah, do I remember thinking again in that game, thinking he was all right, whether he started or not. I'm just Googling it as we speak. Um no, he he must have came on. Um, yeah, he did not start. So, yeah, okay. So, um, going back to that point, yeah, for, for all that he battled well and was industrious during his first start in a non-pizza-related competition, I do think Matt Butcher added a little bit more of a touch of quality in in some of his passing. So, I do think both of the subs um, improved us greatly in that game. Uh, and, and full credit to Foster. Uh, it was a bit like reminiscent of last season when Schumacher would turn games around for making the right subs. Uh, Foster did the same yesterday, I think. Sorry. And just to jump in very quickly, um, that Leighton Orient game that you thought that Caleb Roberts played, that was an appearance for the lesser-spotted Lewis Warrington, if you remember him. <laughs> oh, yesterday. oh, yes. Yes, indeed. No, I definitely remember Roberts came on, because I, I, I remember thinking he looked quite a bright prospect, but he yeah, didn't, obviously didn't start. Yes, that's quite right. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, there's certain... Like, Dan Scars looked good in a three, hasn't he? That's his skill set. He, you know, he has certain limitations at this level, but that suits him. Um, and when, you know, it's been no mystery that when he's played in a three, even earlier in the season when we did it, he looked all right. And when we've played in a two, there's certain things he's asked to do that he's not great at. You know, Butcher looked like prime Jabby Alonso at times yesterday. I think the 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 ball that got cleared off the line was a lovely little. Can't remember if it was a a chip or a or a lob, um, but like a real deft little flick on for for Hardy that put the defence scrambling. He was really. Um, really effective at what he was doing and, and and as you know Sam said that um he was effective at the jobs he was given to do on the pitch and might you know we there was a discussion after some of the players had been brought in was he surplus to requirements were we gonna sort of give him a chance to go and play football elsewhere but if he keeps playing like that he's at, at the very least a, a a squad option but but Bundu's just you know talking about being surprising I don't find Mustafa Bundu playing like that surprising I think he's demonstrated that every time he's had the minutes to to be able to to play 
I think that um, he's so composed and confident on the ball. There are a couple of times where he did things yesterday the defenders just weren't expecting. Like, you know, they sort of expect him to double back and he just carried on. He wasn't flustered at all. Um, and that the issue may be for Moose in this style of team or, or under Foster is, is he going to work hard off the ball defensively and impressing? Um, no reason why he can't do that. But certainly yesterday he looked a little bit slow to get to a man um, when required. Um, but um in terms of going forward he looked absolutely brilliant i think he's like mesmerizing to watch um and and yeah they really did change the game and um just to mention caleb roberts again as well you know he wasn't necessarily um overawed he, i don't think he had a, a, a brilliant game but given the context of what you know as an, as an 18 year old in his first senior proper senior start in a in a you know like i say non-pizza based cup competition you know he, he certainly you know put in a very good performance on, on that basis i think it's very promising performance so the fact that butcher looked a you know a massive improvement when he stepped in uh, and the fact that moose made a, a looked a massive improvement when he came on for callum Wright, who um didn't have the best game either but certainly played a few decent balls over the top when he got the chance he said for the fact they both looked a, a marked improvement was real testament to how good they were um because so i think the others had sort of put in a, a real spirited effort even if the, if the results weren't weren't the best on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll come on to um, Callum Wright, and we'll touch on Caleb Roberts in a little bit because um, I think it, I think it is worth worth mentioning that he did get the start, and Ian Foster heaped a lot of praise on him. Ben, um, I suppose we can't really end talking about yesterday's game on a match sense without really touching on Connor Hazard's instrumental part in getting us this replay. He pulled off two or three brilliant saves, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, actually, the last two games, um, he's been he's been very impressive. Um, I think he didn't have a lot to do in that in that Cardiff second half, but you know when he was called upon, um, he made two very good saves, um, and that was at one all. And then obviously when uh, we went on to to you know go up the other end and score, um, not not long after. So so yes, I think um, he's demonstrated. Um, many times this, this season that he's a fantastic um, shot stopper at this level and indeed that is his main strength. I think where people have um, possibly questioned his um, abilities this season is um, around the command of his of his area uh, more than anything. But yes, yesterday um, I do think, you know, just to, if there was one thing that people might have been complaining about yesterday is that he... Uh, he dropped the ball when, uh, towards the end, when Bamford should have scored again. Um, but I, I do think that was a foul. Um, looking back at it, and um, yeah, I, I thought he he was he was excellent yesterday. And for, you know, I think Cooper was back in training this week. Um, you know, he just might be on the grass for a bit. Uh, and I think Foster said he might be back around March if Connor Hazard carries on. Um, in the form that he has been over the last um, well two games at least in the next two months, then then I don't I, th I don't think we should you know regardless of whether we still we still think we can make money off keeper I don't think we should be dropping um, him just because keeper is obviously a very good goalkeeper and is from our academy you know if he carries on the way that he's been playing in these last two games and. He deserves to be the the number one for for Argo. 
Yeah, I mean, I I sort of feel like at times I'm having to adopt the same stance I had with Callum Burton last year with my tin hat defending our so-called number two keeper, who's now very much our number one at the moment. It's time to break out a new segment in the pod because Ref Watch doesn't really need a mention this week. So I thought the referee had a really a pretty tidy game because he was unnoticeable, which is the sign of a good refereeing performance. It's time to introduce Pasotti Corner, um, where we take uh, regular um, thoughts similar to what we get on social media from Pasotti. Um, we're very grateful for their support through the podcast. And we start with Geriatric Jano, which is probably the best uh, name out there, uh, who says, well, I wasn't bothered, too bothered about today and wasn't really expecting anything other than a defeat. That has really cheered me up. What a gutsy performance and well done, Argo. Leeds certainly won't want to replay for us. A midweek home game with no travel won't inconvenience us too much. A sellout and another hundred grand plus in the kitty will be a bonus. Mike D says much better second half. We're in the draw for the fifth round. That's coming up in a bit. We'll give you, I mean, let's be fair. By the time you've listened to this, you know who is the potential carrot that's been dangled in the last 16. Uh, Andy B says Moose must get a run in the side. Uh, Ian Newell says, Fozzie seems to like second halves, doesn't he? The last two games, he certainly does. Uh, Martin G says, excellent second half performance. A lot of positives to take from that in the end. Great to see Bundu getting minutes and assisting. Phil Evs, what a great result. Very impressive performance. And Lobster finishes off this week's Pesotti Corner by saying, Hazard, brilliant today and man of the match. Butcher gave us something when he came on. Moose was excellent. Um, a lot of support for Moose and Butch this week. Uh, but there were a couple of key noticeables um, or key notables in the uh, side, if you like, this week. Obviously, we did get a, a a full start for Caleb Roberts, as mentioned before. And we also got a debut for Matty Soranola, who came off the bench in the second half. Um, Sam, come to you on Caleb Roberts, um, because obviously, as mentioned, 18 year old it's it's one hell of a daunting task to to make your debut in amongst Ethan Ampadu um Willie Nonto and players of that ill tough afternoon for the kid but there were little glimpses of promise weren't there when he was in possession particularly early on in the first half yes there absolutely were he, he was very tenacious as well um to be fair I think he he grew into the, the first half as it went on um, obviously, he was subbed off about 10, 10, 15 minutes in the second half for, for Butcher. Um, yes, yeah, so there, there, was, there were some good moments for sure. Um, I think, to, to be honest, there were some moments where um, his use of the ball could have been better um, and some moments where he was a little bit um, out-muscled by, by, by um, Ampadu and uh, Grujev or Groyev, I'm not sure how, how you pronounce it, the other lead centre midfielder anyway. Um, but that's to be expected. Um, it absolutely is. Um, I think if you put Adam Randall, aged 18, into a championship game, um, he, he would have, he would have, or, or sorry, a, a game between championship teams, let's say, and not a championship game. But if you'd have put Adam Randall into a game like that, uh, there would have been moments where he would have been um, a little out of his depth as well at 18. Um, I mean, people sort of think of, of the, you know, of the youngsters being the same age, but we've got to remember Randall's got five years on on, on Roberts when um, Randall was the age Roberts is now. He was, well, he would, well, 18, approaching 19. He would have been 
maybe only had one pizza cup game and a couple of spots on the bench, that would have been it. He wouldn't have even have had his tall kilo at a comparable age. So, yeah, Randall absolutely um, it, it is going to be the, the sort of aspiration point for Roberts. Um, if he can, maybe I think, Joe, you mentioned offline um, yesterday, um, feel, feel the benefit of Foster's coaching for the rest of the season with the view of getting him out next season. And I think that's probably a realistic trajectory for him for sure. If he can go out somewhere on loan next season and then look at either coming back in January or even at the end of that season, depending on what trajectory the club are on by then, can then certainly look at implementing him a little bit more. But um, yeah, look, I have to be honest and give a completely unbiased assessment of any player's performance on the word. So on that note, do I think he had a brilliant game? Um, truthfully, no. But I think he had some good moments and absolutely think there was a lot for him to work on. Battled really hard and, yeah, hopefully another good youth prospect in the making. Yeah, I think when, when you're 18 and you're coming into a side in, in such an occasion, you just want to lay a bit of a marker to not only say, this is what I can do, also I know where areas I can improve on in the future. And um, Matty Sorinola came off the bench um in the second half obviously become a bit of a cult hero last week with his celebrations post the cardiff game uh your take on matty's cameo yeah i thought he was perfectly perfectly effective i thought he um he didn't look a drop off at all considering he's had you know very little game time training time and has been trying to keep himself fit off the books um the fact he's got up to speed to match fitness so quickly i think is um to his credit and maybe he's not quite 100% match fit. So the fact that he was able to to step in and, and, and perform so well, I thought was good. Um, I think it's worth with notice, noting with, with both of them that, um, well, for Roberts especially, coming on um, in a big stadium like that um, can, 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 you know, Sam talks about his, um, I'm not going to try and say it, Pahara, Paraha, I'm going to try and say it, whatever it's called, and the way the team was affected. The fact that Roberts didn't have that sort of reaction um, is to his credit when, you know, obviously, as Sam suggests, I'm not sure I 100% agree with him, but, um, you know, that the rest of the team did. So that's that's promising because football is not just about what you do with your mind and your body, but it's about your personality, your makeup, your your um, resilience, etc. And I thought that Sorinola able to sort of um, come on uh, for his first uh, minutes with the new team in a similar environment where, um, there was, you know, to be honest, a lot of pressure. You don't want to make a mistake in that situation and cost your team um, a result away um, in the cup. Uh, and also, uh, knowing, um, I think he, he judged very well his commitments, uh, when to defend, when to when to support the attacking moves, etc. Very well. So he seemed to play with some maturity. And it's been suggested by the manager that, despite being relatively young, his experiences both um, playing abroad, playing at home dealing with rejection, dealing with moves not working out, etc., make him quite a mature man, even though he's excitable, apparently. Um, he seems to be sort of quite, um, uh, uh, have a quite a mature head on his shoulders. And I think that showed in the way he played. He, seemed, he played a very mature game. He didn't look, you know, he, he looked like someone we'll be able to rely on when the, when the chips are down um, in those sort of difficult situations where I think we've looked at um, KKH at times and said, for all his brilliance, there were times when he didn't necessarily make the right decision in the right moment. Um, and that's something that he will, will, you know, maybe have in a couple of years time and go on to, to, to a much higher level um, than, than where we are at the moment, but it's integral when you're a team like Argyle playing where we are. And I think Soranola's composure when he came on, he didn't, I don't think he did anything especially, you know, noteworthy, 
Um, but he didn't also, as you were talking about, the referee didn't draw any attention to himself with, you know, disastrous mistakes or, or, or you know, Hollywood balls, etc. that um, would make you think, what's he doing this for? What You know, uh, he, he played a really um, um, professional game when he came on. Um, and I think that bodes really well for the team that, you know, we are, that, that Foster's trying to mould in his image of um, defending high, pressing high um, and breaking quickly, but knowing when to transition, knowing when to, to um when to flex and when to when to press. Um, so I think that he's, he will suit Foster and this team really well. I think it's really promising to have the depth all over the pitch that we now seem to have players that can maybe do a couple of different roles, but certainly um, at least um, replacements or, or, or rotational um, value in different places. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, what we were looking at quite a thin squad, someone like Soranola coming in, adding good personality, having adding good attributes, suddenly... You know, we're starting to look pretty good for the running, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move it on to the questions then, um, before we we touch on any extracurricular, um, because obviously we do also have a replay that we need to talk about. And draw was made eventually at some point this afternoon. Um, Finn, we'll come to you um, for the first question, and it's from good friend of the pod um, and acquaintance of mine, Gavin Jones. Uh, it wouldn't be the green and white pod without a question from Gavin Jones. Uh, he says, squad depth, is it really as bad as we've all been led to believe? There were two guys roaming the wilderness like Wildebeest who came on yesterday afternoon and turned the game around against a very good Leeds United side. Both should be in the reckoning moving forward. Do you agree? Okay, so that's kind of a, a sort of multi Yeah, I'll, I'll throw you a two-pronged question to start with. Why not? Okay, so I think the so the squad depth in uh, losing uh, Zaz, obviously we have lost tremendous quality that we probably won't replace individually, at least this season. Um, but, you know, in, in an effort to kind of um, remedy that a bit, we, we've, we've signed, um, I think, three um, pretty solid um, midfielders um, obviously, they weren't a- able to play yesterday, uh, and you know that obviously saw Caleb Roberts start and, and things like that. Um, so, in terms of in terms of gen- general squad depth, yes, we probably have improved from the start of the window. We've got more players in more positions. You know, no, no, nobody who has signed so far has done themselves, um, you know, disgraced themselves at all. So, so it's. So it's you know it's kind of looking up from that point of view. I would still like to see possibly some some movement in the in the forward area this 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 week um, because one because we have those two loans left. So I think we we'd be stupid not to um, to use at least one of them. And I I think you know um, Bundu you know Bundu coming on on the left yesterday for 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 right um, that was in his natural position and he looked at he looked more at. I'm not saying he's been bad at striker um, at all, but it obviously seems that Foster has, has, has been reluctant to, to use him there and, and preferred Wayne off the bench um, when Hardy's been tired. So um, I think we still need a, a a striker ideally this this week, um, and then in yeah in terms of squad depth, I think we have uh, we have improved. Yeah, um, and then I've forgotten what the what was the second bit. Sorry. It was just about Butcher and uh, Bundu, whether or not they highlight the fact that the squad depth isn't perhaps as bad as we first thought. 
Oh yeah, so should they have more of a say in the in the upcoming fixtures? Because February. For sure, I, yeah, sorry for for sure. I think yeah, Bundu. I, I've been saying like, why isn't he? I think most of us have been saying why hasn't he um, been getting more of an opportunity? Um, Butch is an interesting one because we've brought in three central midfielders. Um, well, to me at least, it looked like he might be on the way out um, at the end of this window. Um, and he might still be, but after that performance last, uh, not yet yesterday, um, you know, he, he he's kind of put himself back in contention. And to be honest with you, given that, uh, yeah, if how Houghton is still injured as, 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 um, uh, Foster said yesterday, and I know Randall scored the goal, but in the first half, I didn't think he was particularly brilliant either. Um, I think, I think based off those 20 25 minutes yesterday, Butcher deserves to, to start against Swansea, to be honest with you. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think maybe Butcher deserves another chance. Um, you know, if he does go, I'm not saying there's been any rumours. It just it seemed the logical reason to me as why we, we, we appear to be signing so many midfielders and have been linked with others, um, you know, sporadically on Twitter or window. So so yes, I, I do think they both deserve a chance and, and I do think our squad depth in general start, it does seem better than it did at the start of the window, even if it means losing um possibly our most influential player in his ad. You can never have too many midfielders as most of my football manager saves would testify. And we'll come to you on this one. Um Finn's just mentioned it and what he hopes that comes from the remaining couple of days to the transfer window. It is going to be a busy couple of days um, and we will be back midweek this week on deadline day. Um, Aaron will be doing his best Jim White impression. And I think John Alsop has very kindly volunteered to do his best Natalie Sawyer impression the deadline day. If he hadn't already, he's certainly just been volunteered by me. Michael Wernerl asks on X-Pen, um, last few days of the window, is just another striker all we now need? Bundu definitely more suited as a wide player, so would probably have enough depth for those positions with Isaka and JB if required. Less depth up front, but another striker in the mould of Hardy would be great. Do we want a player in the Hardy mould or are we looking for somebody a little bit different, something totally different to what we've already got? What would I like? I mean, in answer to that question, I do think that's 
we will cope without anything else. I think we'd be in a lot of trouble if we didn't bring in a striker, regardless of their profile. Um, I thought Hardy looked a little bit tired yesterday, but to be fair, Ampadu especially, but Groyev as well, or Groyev or whatever his name is, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation, were, were, were good. And I thought Cooper and Rodon were also excellent. Um, so between, you know, sort of kept him from finding pockets of space very well. Um, and, that, you know, I thought the, the whole back four actually did really well um, for Philly. Just it's quite a formidable defence in lots of ways. Although we started to um, to, to, to worry them um, sort of, um, you know, for, for the last 35 minutes. Um, I don't know if we want the, the same sort of... It depends. If you if you bring in someone of the same profile, they're going to be redundant at some point, you imagine, because you're also going to try and find a third-choice striker later in the... Uh, like for example, in the summer um, or, or thereafter, because you, you want to provide depth. If, if I mean, if, if, and I suppose it also depends on if Foster thinks Wayne genuinely is um, viable as a backup striker, or if that's kind of words to put confidence in him or to sort of deflect from maybe a bad search that's ongoing, you know, that there might be problems that they're not sort of been able to um, attract the targets they'd hoped to do. And they're sort of working their way down a list. And so it's the sort of thing you say, no, we quite like uh, Ben Wayne, but he might genuinely see something in him and be able to extract that. And that's, um, you know, more power to him if he can. Um, I'd love to see it. I'd love to eat humble pie um, over Ben Wayne's um, projections uh, and, it's, you know, where he can perform, how he can perform in at, at this level. But it doesn't really matter. We need a striker either in the same vein as Hardy or as an alternative. An alternative allows us to play something different, um, allows us flexibility. A, a, a similar style of player means we can rotate or, um, you know, bring some, bring one on and rest um, the other for the for the latter half of games or the latter sort of like 30, 40 minutes of games and, and keep Hardy fresh um, because he can't sort of put the efforts in he did the other week, you know, and sort of run himself into the mud as he described it, like he was swimming. Um, he, he can't do that every week. It's just not physically possible, especially coming into a run of games where we are, you know, playing sort of twice a week, basically, aren't we? Especially if we, you know, if we beat uh, Leeds, it's going to be a really busy um, period and we just can't expect him to keep playing at that that intensity. He is the key to the whole thing. So if he's the key, if the nine is the key, if if Hardy is suited to that role, then we need someone similar. If if Foster wants to, if, if Foster thinks Wayne's a good enough supplement to, to that role, um, then, then an alternative would be good. But either way, we need another body in because if we're only one injury away from relying on Ben Wayne for the rest of the season. And I don't care what anyone says, but even if Ben Wayne sort of becomes the second coming of Ryan Hardy, he he also cannot play like that two games a week for sort of a month or two. So whoever you're playing there, no matter how good they are, you're going to need an alternative body um, to be the second striker. Um, and only having two strikers, you're only one injury away. So in, in regards to what would I like to see for profile, I honestly don't mind. I would rather the best striker available come in. If the best striker is someone who plays like like um, Ryan Hardy and Foster just wants to stick to that plan, great. If the best striker available is has a different profile, I could say a big lump because you know Hardy's quite capable of being physical, but it, it says a different style of, of, of striker. Bring them in, and we'll have to adapt. But I think, regardless of their profile. Um, it's more important to get a quality striker in, someone who's proven to be effective at this level or 
like Bundu has all the key performance indicators that imply he will be effective at this level because you just can't play one striker 90 minutes um, at, at, with the intensity we play um, at, in that position. So many, so many games on the trot and we can't risk um, it getting one injured um, and having to rely on Ben Wayne uh, because even if Wayne comes in and plays well, he can't do that role either. So we're going to be literally rotating Wayne and um, Hardy if he doesn't fancy Bundy there and that's just not going to be feasible. Do we need anything else to answer the other part of that question? Possibly, but I just don't think that's half as important. I'd happily roll with what we have in all the other positions. But we, I think we definitely need a striker. And if they come away, if the club come away from this window saying we didn't get anyone in, but it's okay, I think that will be a lie. Um, I think they're definitely looking, and they might have their fingers in many pies uh, and looking for, you know, really trying to see what they can get over the line. Um, but they need to pull off something, even if it's another Bundu esque sort of deadline day, which will make great viewing for us and our um, our live pod for sure. But um, they, yeah, they, we we definitely, definitely, definitely need a striker. I'd just quickly like to add that, like, it's been, other than our defensive um, woes this season, it's been the major gripe that I've ha- kind of had uh, around sort of, you know, at what we've been doing this season. Because it was, a, it was, you know, I think we talked about, you know, a few months ago when, when Schumacher was, was still manager, like, it was a major oversight then to to leave it until deadline day, especially when you consider that Niall Ennis was like the first one out the door, like what, a week after the season ended? So the fact that we didn't get um, a a striker in, and and let's be honest, Bundy's not really a striker, and I don't think Foster sees him as that. (laughs) We didn't get a striker in until the, or a forward player in until literally the last couple of hours of the window was baffling to me. So if we, and and, and it would be really be surprising to me if Foster hadn't seen that we have a lack of squad depth in in that area because I know I know he he praised Ben Wayne's effort and uh, tenacious ability if you can call it that um, you know, tenacity you know, might what you were going tenacity. for Ben oh, yeah yeah tenacity sorry uh, yeah I know he praised that in the in the week but let's be honest he's yeah, he's out of his depth at this level right now. I'm not saying he can ever get there, but right now he's not a, a championship level striker. Um, so we, we need somebody in. And to be honest, I'm I'm even surprised that it's got to... I know we've had Kundal leave and Azaz leave and a new manager, so there's been a lot going on. But it's, again, the last week of the window and we are leaving ourselves short again. Well, I would be quite fuming, actually, if we didn't get someone in this week. for more, do you remember him? Um, Sam, I've, I've saved, I've saved the one that you would, you would most enjoy answering, I think, um, from knowing your nature as we've been doing these pods now for a little while. Uh, it's from two people, really. Josh Pitcher, first of all, asks, can you ask Joe on his thoughts on the Bermuda Triangle? Maybe if Aaron asked me to do a My Argo Life, I would do a Bermuda Triangle and Moon Landing special for everyone. Um, but he says, seriously, though, talk to me about Foster's Cajones. Starting Roberts in front of a 35,000 crowd against the tidy lead side. And that is that is followed up by Neil Hammercock. Was the departure of Schumacher a blessing in disguise? Is Fozzie an upgrade? How do you assess the first month of Ian Foster's reign as Argo head coach? Oh, that's a, that's a very um, big early question. Okay. 
Um, I'll answer those in turn. Um, I think the first thing, yes, he definitely has cojones. I think I knew that from when he first came in and, and in his first interview called out the away form as being very poor. I think that's not the kind of thing you necessarily say if you're going into a club and wanting to be all nicey-nicey and, and making friends. I think he's, he's very clear that, well, yes, we, we did overachieve, even under Schumacher and Dusenich caretakership. Yes, we did overachieve. But at the same time, overachieving does not mean that there's not still room for improvement because there is. Um, so yes, I think he's got. I think he's got uh, enormous guts. I think he's got bravery. He's not afraid to to say controversial things if needed and to make surprising lineups. I still think. Look, the butcher not starting was possibly, and the Robert starting over butcher was possibly because butcher might be on his way out the door. Um, look, whether that performance yesterday convinces Foster to actually give him another chance, maybe, maybe it does. But I think butcher. Would have was effectively sixth choice CM going into yesterday's game because Jordan Houghton was injured, JB and Forshaw were both cup tied, and obviously Randall and Robert started ahead of, started ahead of him. So he was effectively sixth choice CM, which in a system where only two CMs played, it, it, it's not a um, you know that to me indicates that you're you're going to be moved out the door. But anyway, that's that's a bit of a tangent. But yes, to answer that first part, Foster is, is brave and he definitely is not afraid to make controversial choices. As for the second, maybe. It's still very, very, very early. It's not even a month. It's three weeks, really. It was the Friday night late before the Sutton game that he was um, announced. So, yes, the early indications are good. The early indications are very good. I, the, the defensive improvement is absolutely not a mirage. We are definitely better trained defensively. Whether part of the trade-off is a little bit less attacking output, maybe, but then you could also say that with a player of Azaz's quality going, the attacking output would have dropped off even if Schumacher had stayed and we wouldn't have got the defensive improvements to boot. So, yes, the early indications are very, very good. It is still only four games. And, you know, suddenly, yes, OK, he was on the touchline, but he came in at half eight the night before. So it's three games, really. And whilst those three games were good, battling draw at Huddersfield, dominant win over Cardiff and a good draw yesterday to take needs to replay, it is only three games. Um, and it's games against two of the poorer teams in the league on current form. Huddersfield are right down there. I think Cardiff are dropping like a stone. And Leeds, who, yes, they still had an Italy international. Yes, they still had plenty of quality players. But it wasn't quite a, a vintage, full-strength Leeds United team, uh, we have to say. So let's not get too carried away. Um, I'm sure it would have been very easy when... For our fans of a certain age, maybe I'm betraying my age now, that when Bobby Williamson won, I think it was six out of his first seven competitive games as Argyle manager, to claim he was an upgrade on Paul Sturrock, and it turned out really not to be the case. So not saying it's going to go badly for Foster. I'm just saying that for all, there was a bit of a, you know, chicken little sky falling in when things were going badly. Let's also just be a little bit calm now that things are looking a lot better. We're also not going to fly up to... The Premier League. Um, no, no comment on whether I might have wasted the last one pound eighty in one of my betting accounts on putting a bet on us to make the top six. That that might have happened, but that's one pound eighty. I just wanted to get rid of uh, really. So if if it comes in, it comes in. If it doesn't, which it almost certainly won't, let's be clear. Then um, yeah, I've cleared that one pound eighty out of my betting account. Um, so so yeah, that's that's my answer. Um, early indications are really impressive. I think he's really I've got a great attention to detail. Um, from whatever the players have said in the media, he's very good on the training field, which we, we knew he would be. He was always a coach 
more so than the manager. Um, let's just keep it a little calm. He would maybe an upgrade. I wouldn't rule out him being an upgrade, but I also don't think yet we can tell it with any certainty. We've not yet played a good championship team at full strength in a league game. And dare I say, nor will we have after Saturday. It would probably, um, probably Sunderland will be our first test of that, followed shortly by the league game against Leeds, which comes eight days after the cup game. So yeah, let's see how it goes, but fingers crossed. I think one thing he's got going for him is his professionalism. He doesn't seem, you know, after we've had two managers who like to blow smoke up the collective green army, Wazoo, he seems, he doesn't seem interested in sort of uh, platitudes. And I mean, there's a few cliches in there, but he's not, interested in garnering sort of like, like he's just about business you know as, as he's made clear he, he wants to make this football team good yes i'm sure he wants the fans on the side but he's interested in developing players he's, he seems almost addicted to the process of of coaching and of improvement um and, and wants to make the football club successful and i think that i'm not saying for example for, for a moment that, that the previous two managers weren't professional but there was certainly you know he he seems very um axe-minded about the way he's going to go about this job and and it's very very important to him in a way that seems almost fanatical and I think that that bodes well for his um he seems he seems addicted to learning he every time in his interviews he's talked about obstacles he calls them great he loves to overcome issues as opposed to sort of wanting to stay in his comfort zone and um, and to, to to sort of ride out the same, you know. I think, for example, Schumacher loved playing that way. If he could have just carried playing that way every game, he would do, and he even did do um, to our detriment at times. Whereas I feel like Foster is someone who will be happy to develop a plan B, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, I think, yeah, I understand. I'm saying we haven't seen him results on the field, but in terms of um, the the impression he gives um, from his interviews um, and from his, his press conferences, he definitely seems like. Um, an upgrade in terms of um, tactical uh, um, um, coaching um, nows. It's just it's a shame because I go on, sorry, quickly. Sorry, just quickly. I, I also like to touch on you know again very early, but there's two games in a row where I feel we are seeing the kind of um, blueprint of what um, he's maybe implementing attacking wise. And those two, you know, the goal against Cardiff, the third goal against Cardiff, quick counter attack, really impressive, incisive passing, and 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 sort of similar yesterday. I think all that's kind of um, again early impressions, but that's kind of what we could end up calling sort of an Ian Foster team type goal, you know. And I and I, you know, I, it's really impressive. If if you ask me how many times I've watched that goal uh, yesterday, in the words of Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola more than you believe. Um, there's a couple of things to take out of that little thought. Um, one, we've had our first Wazoo mention of the season and we're at the end of January. Uh, two, please gamble responsibly. Don't just throw away your last £1.80 in your betting account. And three, I asked Sam down that question because I was hoping for a genius TikTok clip up that we could get <laughs> where he was throwing some um animosity towards mr schumacher but it didn't come our way uh finish off before we go on to the final question there's one little one just a quick fire go around the group um jack anstey asks how much is the monetary value of adam randall to the football club quick fire quick fire that's really put me on the spot um 
Well, given that we've got loads of loans in in his position, I'd say he's he's worth more than whatever a transfer fee would be. Um, so, I mean, the question then becomes what transfer fee is, is too much that you can't turn down for Adam Randall? Um, God, I'd, I'd, that's really tough. I'd say... I'd say a million, but that would it would take a million, take an offer of a million for me to say, oh, I would have to be happy for Randall to leave. Doesn't necessarily mean that's his, you know, um, is his value. He might be worth more than that, to be fair. But I mean, if, if the club came in and said, we'll give you a million for Randall, and and we thought we could put that to better use elsewhere, then I'd, I'd maybe accept that. But again, I'd like to say you've put me right on the spot with that question, and whether whether I'd still back that that uh, claim sort of with a with a with a moment to. Uh, to, to meditate on the on the thought, but I, I I couldn't guarantee. Um. Oh yeah, tough one. This uh, because I think I did read that question, and I think I think it was sort of asked. And again, if I'm reading too much into the wording of the question, then I apologise to our to our kind listener who asked it. I think that was sort of asked with the undertone of, "Oh wow, how how good is he now? He'd have to go for millions." And and I don't really agree with that. I look. I'm, I think I've. Not quite to the, to the extent of Aaron, who I think would be quite happy to elope with Adam Randall. But I, I, I have a great deal of liking for Adam Randall. I think he's a fantastically professional young man who is an absolute credit and ambassador to this football club, who I think is already having a great career and I think will go on to have a great career. Um, I don't think he's had an amazing season. I think he's had a decent season. Um, he stepped up to a level that is a lot tougher where maybe his physical weaknesses get a little bit more exposed. He's not the quickest in the world. He's not the tallest in the world. He's certainly strong for his height. He battles, gets up in people's faces and, and has a great leap on him for a relatively short man. Um, but am I coming away from the season really thinking, wow, he's absolutely ripping up the championship? No, I think in the first half of the season, Houghton Azaz Cundall was our best midfield three. Um, not by a lot, but fractionally. And I think in this half of the season, it's looking like, although it's early, Foster is, is favouring JB and Forshaw, uh, perhaps. So um, I don't think Randall's at the stage where where, where it's going to be many, many, you know, millions to prize away. I think if it was a seven-figure bid that came in, um, or even or even like a, a high six-figure bid, something, you know, 800, 900,000, I think the club would, would have to seriously consider it. But that being said, Let's not lowball ourselves either. Just because he hasn't had an amazing season doesn't mean he's not had some moments of real promise. That performance off the bench against Stoke, he was fantastic, culminating in that incredible winner in his 100th game for the club that, that showed everyone in the ground that day that, that we were the only club of that to anyone would want to manage, didn't it, that, that day? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, anyway um, that was great. The, the Watford performance on New Year's Day, I think, was the best he's played this season. He was fantastic there. He was fantastic up at Vickery's Road as well, apart from missing that missing that one-on-one that would have given us our first away win at the first attempt. That feels a long time ago now. But yes, anyway, he's had some fan- I'm going off on one of my famous tangents again. He's had a he's had some fantastic games. He's had some games where he's been a bit out of his depth. Overall, he's in a decent season. Not so great that I wouldn't accept, you know, one one point five million for him, because I think I probably would in all truth. But he's a player who represents the best things about this club the best things about this city. Um, and I think he has the absolutely the ability to improve. If he can make that Watford performance and his second half performance yesterday, 
because I don't think it was good in the first half, if I'm being truthful. But if he can make his second half performance yesterday, and if he can make his Watford performance the blueprint going forward, maybe just maybe he might be a multi-million player in a few years' time. Right now, he's not, I would say. Um, and I would say I pretty much agree with what Sam's saying. I think the value of Adam Randall right now is more to Plymouth Argyle Football Club than if we were to sell him, if that makes any sense. Um, I think he is a very good player for us. Um, and I think he can continue to improve. Um, as as Sam said, he's he's had a decent season stepping up. He he's you know he's been a he's been a good player. He'd probably be in our sort of top six or seven players um, this this season. But he's certainly not in the conversation um, for you know our, our best players. And yes, I know that's taken by Morgan Whitaker, but that's the kind of level you'd have to be um, talking about if we were if we were thinking that he'd go for millions and millions of pounds. So. I don't actually think the 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 value of his transfer market value is is that much and um at the moment and I don't think that many clubs will have an eye on him at this level but uh I do think he's a very very good player a very valuable player for us and um he certainly has got time to improve and I believe will do um that so come come back to us next season and maybe we'll have a different answer is what I'd say probably yeah, I think um, we need Ian Foster to come in and just work on uh, some of our panellists' views on quick-fire answers. Um, but I tend to probably agree, um, even though it wasn't necessarily quick-fire, I tend to agree with what Sam and, and Finn have said, although I can see, see Ben's argument. So we come on to the final question, um, which also leads us into really one of our final talking points of the night. We do obviously, we will still touch on the draw um, before we before we wrap up um there were two bits of news to come out of the football club this week one really positive which we'll touch on in a second one that perhaps is not seen as positive um and we have two questions that all lead in to this one um we'll start with the more jovial question towards it from hemadon jills who says is traveling to the moon cheaper than the argyle coach to sunderland and Paul Sweet says, what do you make of the miles away travel club charging £92 for non-members for the trip to the Stadium of Light? And I think we should caveat this, first of all, with um, some work that Andy Davies, no, not that one um, who didn't see the ball go out of play at Coventry, the Andy Davies who used to supply quiz questions to the podcast, um, who brought out the comparisons of the last three road trips to the Stadium of Light fans have been able to go on uh back in 2019 it was 36 pounds for a non-member 2021 it was 49 pounds a non-member 2024 92 pounds if you're a non-member to travel in the argyle supporters coach i don't want to spend too long dwelling on this because obviously you know times have changed over those that five-year period and and fuel and etc you know everything's gone up in price we all know that from day-to-day life £92 just seems a touch excessive. Is that is that a fair, fair way to look at it? I still expect we'll take a good number to Sunderland, but on the back of all the travelling we're doing, £92 is a, is a number I wasn't really expecting, Sam. 
I I would say that is a very fair comment, and I think they are actually aside the ethics morality of it all are running the risk of pricing themselves out because there are in this day and age lots of day and age lots of examples of independent fan travel supporters groups but also just individual supporters as a very well-known supporter i'm i'm not advertising for him on it that clear there's a very well-known supporter who advertises his coaches on various argo chats and his prices are quite significantly cheaper than the clubs yes maybe he has less overheads i don't know exactly how the contracts and agreements work between argyle and um uh, tally ho but um yeah it's it does seem a very very excessive price and i think it would be good to know a little bit more about how the pricing structure actually works out because is it a case that argyle pl- pay tally ho a flat rate to hire the coach for the day and we fuel it up and we make all the profit or is it the case that we sort of pay them a retainer to manage the coach services because if it's the latter that's kind of out of our control, apart from to the extent that we maybe need to find a new supplier for next season. But if it's the latter, that's kind of out of our control if they set the prices. If it's the case that we just hire the coaches from them, we fuel them up, and then we set the prices, then it becomes a lot harder to justify. Because I think then we'd be making an absolute mint out of that and charging an excessive rate for fans to go to Sunderland. And yes, I'm not naive. The club is the business. It is concerned with making money. And obviously, commerciality is, is important. But like I said, they run the risk of being, um, and I never thought I'd introduce the concept of the Laffer curve to the Green and White podcast, but they run the risk of being on the bottom end of that curve whereby prices are so high that people will just take their custom elsewhere, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, I can't say I was I was thrilled. In, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't use the official travel club coaches anyway. I, I go my own way. But, um, yeah, I, I can't say I was thrilled to see that. It did seem a little excessive. Um, I would just say that... I've- I I don't think the club will have willingly put out ninety two pounds just to to make a quick cash here. I think there is obviously a very genuine reason why it is ninety two pounds. It would be nice if that was to be explained to people, and then maybe the initial pain of seeing ninety two pounds if you had planned to go to the stadium, like you know, it may lessen the blow a little bit. But obviously, you know, it's ninety two pounds essentially to spend eighteen hours on a coach, and in particular, given two weeks after we go to the stadium of like, we then have to make the enormous trek up to the riverside as well. Um, and one, I'll let you make one quick point before we move on to some more positive news that came out. Of the yeah, ju- just just that. Um, yeah, it's cost me sixty quid in petrol. I've got a bit of a guzzler, but it's cost me sixty quid in petrol to get to Yorkshire. It's going to cost me sixty quid to get back. I don't know what the diesel MPG is on the coaches, but going up that little bit further, it depends how much you then have to pay for sort of make you factor in maintenance costs, etc. So it could be approaching reasonable, but I think that it still seems a little steep. I do think the club is missing a trick given where we are, that we have to basically get coaches everywhere um, if you don't have your own transport. And a lot of places, even if you've got your own transport, it's tricky. Um, it could run a fleet of its own coaches um, and, and make it pure profit. Whether whether I'm being naive there, I don't know. But there's there's certainly potential given the club's location that, uh, and given how popular the, the, the coach systems are, um, whether they're independent or licensed through the club. Um, I think the... Something that not many clubs could do it and make it work, but I think Plymouth Argyle are a club that could can have its own fleet of of, of travelling coaches for the fans. Certainly, whilst we're in the championship, and there's the demand for it as well. I th- I think that's definitely a suggestion that Ben can put forward at the next fans forum, um, which I'm sure will be 
um, not too far in the future as um, we try to get back to some normality and get a, a better schedule for the forums, which are very enjoyable to be at. Some more positive news came out of the football club um, just a couple of days ago, actually, and that was that Mia Endicott, um, Argyle women's forward Mia Endicott, has been selected to join up with the England Lionesses under-17s for the 2024 MEMA Cup to be held in Spain next month. The young Lionesses were set to take on the Netherlands in a friendly ahead of their opening fixture in that particular cup competition, which will be a semi-final against the Philippines at the Pinatar Arena in San Pedro del Pintar. The winners will then advance to the final of the competition on the 8th of February. Um, Mia's gone on to make 10 appearances for Ryan Pertside, scoring three times, and she opened the scoring in that um, 13-0 win over Ilminster in what proved to be a really fruitful um, FA Cup run for the Argyle ladies. Unfortunately, they did succumb today, however, to a 4-0 home defeat to Oxford back in the bread and butter of the league, but we wish them well. As they as just time ticks down now before the Argyle women's side are integrated fully into the Argyle family, which can only be a positive. Finn, we'll come to you after the crowd disturbances at the Hawthorns today, which I think some people see it as a bit of fun and you know great things. Why won't ITV showing it? I think the broader point on this is it it's, should be wholly condemned what went on at the Hawthorns today, and it was truly disgusting scenes to be seen um out of scenes to be seen um i'll make sure aaron edits that bit out he probably won't now um but it's certainly not the sort of thing we really want to see in football again after we're trying to get rid of the whole tribalism by all means enjoy a derby but there's no need to to do what happened today there um but the draw was made at half time of liverpool's 5-2 win over norwich and leeds or plymouth argyle will be on the road again we always seem to be on the road in cup competitions these days, particularly the FA Cup. And we are on the road to either Chelsea or Aston Villa. Premier League opposition and pretty big clubs lay in wait should we get through the replay in what's likely to be, what, nine, ten days' time um, down at Home Park. Finn, your initial reactions, of course, it should also be mentioned. Fifth round, the, round, the last 16 of the cup competition will be a midweek fixture. Um, week commencing the 28th of February. It will be a midweek game. Um, your thoughts on a potential return to the bridge or a return to the famous Villa Park after all those years? Yeah, uh, very, very uh, exciting. I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer out here that I might be sounding a bit spoiled, but I am not. Uh, I, I would like, you know, if it is Chelsea, if we do win the game and it is Chelsea, then I will go and I will enjoy the day. However, I'm much preferring um, a game against Aston Villa because obviously, the, you know, of the of the day we had our Chelsea, uh, you know, very recently. And um, it's not such of a good stadium, in my opinion, to want to go back that quickly so I'd much prefer Aston Villa I've also got a, a very good friend of mine who's a lifelong Aston Villa fan so that that has a, and we've kind of been talking about uh, it for a very long time obviously the the realities of it haven't really been possible but so that would be very good um, and actually I think I did mention after we drew after we beat Saturn and before we drew Leeds that Villa is one of the sides that I would like to like like to play. 
um, particularly at Villa Park, you know, historic ground and stuff. And I'm not suggesting that we'll go and beat them, but we are a championship side now. The realms of possibility of us going there and causing an upset isn't completely um, out of the question. So they are, you know, very good at the moment and they will want to be, they will be looking at the FA Cup as a possible, um, you know, a route to a trophy this season. So, you know, we could cause a major upset as well. Um, a very good day. I mean, Eva would be a very good day out, but I think Aston Villa for me would be the preferable one. But yes, both very exciting prospects. Of course, we have to get past Leeds first, but we are at home and they have, you know, the Premier League, um, you know, on the horizon um, for them if they if they continue their good form. Yeah, it's kind of mad, really, that that's uh, only two years after Chelsea, what a big exciting occasion that was. We could be going back there again, but it seems to have barely sort of registered in, in people's consciousness. Um, um, you know, I remember the days when drawing Chelsea or Villa away would be the most exciting event of the weekend by a mile. But, you know, we're a championship club now. Um, yeah, this is just, I guess, it's just normal kind of... Um, uh, look, we've got to get past Leeds first, haven't we? Um, which I think there's every chance we will do. To be clear, we're a very good home team. They're a team who, I'm not going to say they're a bad away team, but they're much weaker away than what they are at home. Um, they're not going to be rushing back the likes of James, Gray, Somerville from injuries for a cup game, are they? They've got a promotion to win. So even if those players are technically fit enough to play, they'll probably at best be on the bench, I would have thought. Um, I think they will go a rotated team. If you look at the Leeds fans on Twitter or X, as we're now calling it, um, they're not terribly excited about the prospect. I mean, they just had two seasons in a row going to Chelsea in the league and Villa, obviously, many years before that, they were in the championship with Villa. So it's not really a big occasion to them like it would be to us. So I think if we can get past Leeds in the replay, which if they go weakened, or even if they don't go all that weakened, there's every chance we can do. Chelsea or Villa Park would be great. You know, I, I've been to the bridge um, two years ago. It wouldn't, wouldn't certainly wouldn't be a bad thing to go again. Um, and as with Roxy Spar at Leeds, you can't have too much of a good thing. But um, Villa would be even better for me just because it'd be a great occasion. Um, something different and another tick on the 92. That would take me up to 81 if we went there and I, and I were to attend, which um, God willing, I would do uh, as long as we went there. So, yeah, um, exciting draw. And I think now if we can get that one out of the way and if we can get past Leeds and just uh, probably, you know, lose that one in all honesty and then just start to focus on the league fully with a nice payday worth about a million quid, then I think the cup run's gone as well as we could have asked it to. I, I just, um, I'd like Villa too, um, for the same sort of reasons as have been espoused by the other lads. But I also think um, Finn hit, made a good point when he said that Chelsea you know, might see it as a, as a route to silverware, whereas Villa might well be fighting for, for Europe or even the thinking about the top four and might just want to sort of get out of the competition by by that point, it depends on how the next few sort of results go, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Villa might be more tempted to put out um, um, a weakened side. Chelsea might be tempted to go for it. There's no, you know, no reason reasoning behind that other than, Sort of looking at the uh, the prospects they both have in the league, but also I think some fans might enjoy a bit of needle against Villa, um, given the way they ripped Finazaz from us so cruelly and dispensed of him to our our championship rivals. So, um, 
yeah, I think there might be some um, some some not Schadenfreude, but some some excitement and some joy taken if we could uh, get, get get something, um, get a result, get a, a draw, bring it back to Plymouth, or even a, a win at, um, at Villa Park. No, no, no replays in the fifth round. I'm afraid. So we won't oh, yeah. be bringing either team back. I'm so I'm so unused to being this far in the competition that I'm just always used to our goal, you know, trying to go for the replay if we're when we're behind. No, I think the the one thing, the strange thing about today's draw is I think normally when you get a Chelsea or an Aston Villa away, you're immediately excited, you're you're buzzing, you're getting the draw. We do still have to overcome a pretty difficult task in a replay to even get to this to that game. So. Um, I think that's probably why enthusiasm's a little bit tempered this Sunday evening towards the game. But I think we've probably kept our one listener long enough now this evening um, on that. So unless anything, anybody's got anything pressing to add on Leeds, I think we will march on together into the ne- the new week um, where we have plenty for you this week. As mentioned before, we are planning on being live with you on deadline day night. Um, where hopefully, you never know, we might have a new body in the door or we'll just be rambling about transfer window and how on earth have we managed to go through two transfer windows without signing a striker if it doesn't come to fruition. Um, We will also be back in midweek with a couple of specials. We have a Darko JB and Adam Forshaw bonus podcast that Aaron recorded shortly after their arrivals into Home Park. And then, of course, we will be back just before the weekend for a Swans preview. Um, before our trip back over the Severn Bridge into Welsh Wales as we head to Swansea at the weekend. So, gents, all that's left... Sorry, sorry, Welsh Wales. Is that opposed to Irish Wales? Yeah, Welsh Wales. Um, (laughs) So, gents, unless there's anything else, I shall bid you a good evening and see you in the week for those that are joining us on the Deadline Day pod. If not, um, see you next weekend when I'm back in this very seat probably much to my family's annoyance as I'm disrupting their Sunday TV viewing. So, gents, thank you very much and see you next week. Cheers. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.